Blog Talk Radio. Every human culture has a set of creation myths, but they're in the realm of mythology or religion or folklore, uh, and they are, of course, all mutually inconsistent. The great thing is every human culture has a set of creation myths. Has has a set of creation myths. Every human. Good evening, everybody. This is Reggie, and you are listening to the Haitian Freethinkers radio show here on Block Talk Radio. Tonight, we are having a special show because our usual broadcast time, as many of you know, is on Sundays at 11 a.m., but uh, we are joined tonight by a special guest, and I wanted to make sure that you guys get a chance to hear her out because uh, she's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but a few usual announcements. Uh, Haitian Freethinkers is one of the world's few uh, groups for Haitian secular people. So if you are an atheist, if you are an agnostic, if you are a humanist, uh, please look us up. We are on Facebook as well as Google+. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram. Uh, there's a blog called Haitian Atheist. We are also on Twitter. So we are covering the different uh, social media networks in order to broaden our outreach. Uh, but uh, tonight, uh, like I said, we have a special guest on the phone, and I want to give her time to speak and let and find out a little bit more about her. So without any further delay, um, guest, you are on. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Carolyn. I'm happy to be here. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, like I said, first of all, thank you for taking the time. Uh, it is uh, 11 p.m. Uh, in the evening. For those of you who will listen to this after the fact, so Carolyn was able to was kind enough to join me tonight to discuss um, uh, various topics. But one of the the premier thing that I'm personally interested in and I'm excited about is uh, your upcoming book. Um, can you let us know a little bit about that, that please? Um, well, it's just basically a book um, where I share my story, and um, it is called Still Small Voices. And um, it's a self-published book, and it goes through the um, experience of, it goes from my conversion to, or my reversion, I should say, um, to Christianity and um, how I lost my faith. Okay, so you lost your faith, so does that mean that you're an atheist? Yes, I'm an atheist. All right. Okay, um... But you you told me that you studied some um, um, as a master's level or graduate level work with with the Old Testament. Is that correct? Yes, I um, got a master's in Old Testament. Excellent. So um, before we start with the questions, um, what's, can you give us a little bit of a background on you know where you're from? Um, and things of that nature, so to give the people a little bit of a context. 
Um, I was born in Haiti. I came to the United States when I was 10 years old. Um, I grew up in South Florida, um, and then I've just kind of bounced around in the United States um, for um, in my 20s. So, but yeah, so I'm Haitian American. Okay, excellent. How's your Creole? My Creole's pretty good. Okay, so nunca pali Creole. Nunca pali Creole. Okay, d'accord. Um, so, how did you hear about HFT? Uh, how, do you want me to answer that in English or in Creole? Uh, whichever one you prefer. Okay. Um, I think you've been, you've had a Facebook page up for a while, which comes through, and I don't remember for how many years, but you've been posting um, free thinking comments on my Facebook page. And since I've become an atheist, I've just kind of been looking around for opportunities to connect with um, other unbelievers. And I think I was searching for black atheists because that's another segment of the population that is not as visible. And through that search, I remembered that you had made some posts on Facebook a while ago, and I just looked it up, and that's how I discovered it. Okay, excellent. So the page is actually doing its job in um, promoting the group, and you were able to see it, and now you're here. And I'm very happy that you decided to join us. Um, so the next question that I have for you is, um, you were a believer at one point, so which, so which religion did you belong to? Well... That's the interesting story. I grew up in, I've bounced around a lot. So I grew up as a Roman Catholic, and ever since I was a teenager and I started thinking about it, I just couldn't find that one denominational shoe that fit. So I bounced around from one place to another. I spent some time as a Baptist. I was in the vineyard for a while, went back to Roman Catholicism. And the last place I ended was orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that one. Can you give us a little bit of um, information on what exactly that is? So um, Eastern Orthodoxy is um, a an ancient apostolic segment of Christianity, much like Roman Catholicism. Um, they can trace their roots back to... Uh, the very earliest days of the church um, would even say to the first apostles. Um, they're very traditional. Um, Orthodox priests always wear black. Um, it's, the liturgy is chanted. In some cases, it is chanted in an ancient language, um, such as um, Biblical Greek or um, Coptic, which is no longer a spoken language, but you might find... Um, a liturgy, which is the worship service, chanted and um, an original language. Wow. Or an ancient language, I should say. Now, how how big is this denomination? Um, well, Orthodoxy is actually the second largest um, segment of Christianity right after Roman Catholicism. Um, there are lots of... So it... 
You may not know it because here in North America, um, the Orthodox Church is in a minority, but um, it's certainly in the majority in places like Russia, um, Greece is predominantly, if almost not, like overwhelmingly Orthodox. Um, many of the Middle Eastern countries where there are Christians, such as in Iraq, um, the Christians tend to be um, Orthodox. Okay. Well, excellent. Yes, I do now remember seeing uh, some of these individuals with the dress, like you said, in black. Uh, and um, for whatever reason, they're not as popular here as they are in those places that you mentioned. But... Uh, so the Coptic Orthodox Church, for example, is in Egypt, and it's pretty much the largest segment of um, Christians in Egypt. There are more recently some evangelicals have gone over there and have opened up some churches, but um, traditionally an Egyptian Christian would be um, Coptic Orthodox. And well, according to Wikipedia here, there are about 14 to 60 million um, Orthodox Coptic Orthodox. So that's just one segment of the Orthodox Church. There's, like I said, the Greek, the Russian, the um, Romanian, so on and so forth. Excellent, excellent. I want to remind the listeners that you are listening to the Haitian Freethinkers radio show here on Block Talk Radio. I am Reggie, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Carolyn. And you can give us a call at 646 6524442 that is the guest calling number you can lock it into your phone it is always our guest calling number which is 6466524442 um and Carolyn was telling us about the orthodox um denomination which um she spent some time in uh i mean obviously we've we we have a little bit of a history you and i uh and I, we, we went to the same middle school down in South Florida, uh, and then um, reconnecting with you on Facebook, find out that you've been doing some great things, uh, and now obviously you are an atheist and you got a chance to study some of these great subjects, and I'm very happy to have you here. So the next question that I have for you is that, how does your family and friends feel about your position on religion? Well, they disagree, and some of them are quite saddened um, by my decision. Um, some of them are shocked um, because it is really an extreme change. Like within the course of a few months, I went from being a very committed Christian to not believing, um, and that was quite shocking, I guess, to many of my friends and family. Um, but mostly, I think there's disappointment, there's sadness, um, and there's also the sense that this might be, you know, temporary or phase, and that, you know, I'm going to come out of it soon. Okay. Uh, so there's still some hope on their end that this was just a phase. Right. Okay. Do you think that we as Haitians face some procure particular challenges? Um, well, I, I think the Asian community is predominantly conservative. Um, atheism is not 
something that is discussed or known. Um, so I find that even people who aren't practicing um, a version of Christianity believe it's important to believe in God, um, say it's important to believe in God. And so if somebody comes out and says, I don't believe in God, that, that's quite shocking um, for members of the Haitian community. And, uh, I mean, before, did you, did you know any atheists before you uh, became an atheist? Or or how did, how, I mean, how, how much interaction did you have with non-believers? So I've gone through phases in my life where I've been surrounded by non-believers, free thinkers, um, people who may not necessarily identify as atheists, but who are atheists, like if, if you really push them. Um, and my most recent past, though, because I was so involved in the church, I just didn't, it, it really was, it's more of a case of, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Um, I surrounded myself with other believers and really did not spend any time with non-believers, not that I was trying to exclude anyone, just that uh, that was not my circle. Okay. Um, okay, so a lot of people often ask me and perhaps you, what is the reason why, you know, we turned away from religion? Like if, as if there's one particular situation or event that happened that caused you to lose faith or me to lose faith. Do you have such such an event, or was it gradual? It was gradual, and none of it was a dramatic event. Um, so, though I know for certain atheists like Ayanna Ciali, for example, 9-11 had a really big impact on her losing her faith. Nothing quite dramatic like that happened to me. I was struggling to be a Christian. I was struggling with the day-to-day sacrifices, um, confusion um, that involves trying to have a personal relationship um, with an invisible, silent being who ways are really confusing to you. so I found myself very early on struggling with certain aspects of the Bible. Um, the Bible is violent. Um, there are lots of sexist portions in the Bible. And I think as a new Christian, I imagined that at some point I was going to read something, study something, pray something into my mind, and somehow these things would make sense to me. And then it occurred to me one day, or I started to realize after a few years that, no, it it really doesn't add up, um, or God really doesn't answer prayer, and this world as it is can't be the, under the governance, I should say, of an all-loving, omnipotent deity. Um, It just doesn't make sense um, in light of the suffering that we see all around us. Um, and so as I really began 
or as I really allowed, I should say, these things to sink into my consciousness, it became increasingly obvious to me that the claims of Christianity are not tenable. I, I totally agree. Now, do you think that your education made it uh, that much easier for you to, to lose faith? Or um, and, and for me, like, one of the things that I've always been interested in is how can two people go to the same um, classes or get the same information and yet have two different conclusions? Well, I mean, we always bring our own baggage into the situation. Um, I'm going to say that my education had an impact in that it did not live up to the expectations that I had. So one of the reasons that I decided to pursue the education was that I wanted to be able to give a good reason for what I believe. I wanted to understand it. So there were parts of the Bible that were confusing to me, and I wanted to be able to both understand it for myself and to be able to explain it to other people. Or, um, But instead, what, what ended up happening is that I discovered through the education that so if, you, if you read a violent passage where genocide is committed, um, it should have been quite obvious to me, but for whatever reason, I decided to give the Bible the benefit of the doubt. And I thought that through some study, these things would make sense or would um, there would be some logical explanation for why they're happening. Well, there aren't. And no matter, there's no amount of studying the historical context, the original language that helps bring that, um, bring, that helps shed any light on that. So that, that's the first thing that I learned. Um, I also learned some really disturbing things about church history. Um, I, I thought that my education would help me understand the, the problems that divide Christians and, and why, and, and, you know, where we went wrong. Um, what happened that Christians came to disagree with each other about fundamental questions. Um, and is there some early nugget of truth that we could discover that would make this all better. And at every turn in my education, instead of being more enlightened, uh, I felt more baffled and more frustrated. Um, And in the end, I just came to realize that I wasn't going to have satisfactory answers to my questions and that the answers were actually quite obvious um, and, and I should not expect, it helped, well, it did help me realize that the Bible is not a supernatural book, that it is a very human book written by Iron Age and Bronze Age, um, Middle Eastern um, agriculturalists or herders who had, who lived in a very different world and had a very different understanding um, about how the world worked, or I should say 
um, really didn't understand much about how um, the world works when it comes to biology and astronomy um, and that we should accept them for who they were and where they were without allowing them to impose that Iron Age philosophy, science, or, or morality upon our, our time um, because we've made some advancement. We, we've learned a few things in the past two to 3,000 years, and that's a good thing. Now, one of the things that I find fascinating about the Bible and its people is that it has gone worldwide so that you have believers of all different stripes, uh, from Koreans to Chinese to South Americans to Africans, etc., but the story is about one, mostly about one group of people, the Hebrews. Uh, why do you think people have espoused these people to almost like superimpose themselves on the Hebrews as if it was them that went through those situations versus, let's say, us adapt, adopting the, uh, the Japanese myths? Um, well, I think it happened through an historical accident. The religion of the Hebrews um, became the religion of the Gentiles and what was in the first and second century um, the largest empire on earth with a very sophisticated um, network of roads which allowed the um, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, um, to be carried to various parts of Europe and Asia and North Africa. Um, a few centuries later, that religion under Constantine was made um, the legal religion, and Constantine did a lot of favors for the church, poured money into the church, um, a few years later, I can't remember the emperor's name at this point, the Christianity became the official religion of the empire. Because of the, the size and the influence of the Roman Empire, um, it was also, there was the added benefit that it was, the empire included Greek culture, education, philosophy, um, you merge that with religion, and what you have is this culture where people are writing about these things, thinking about these things, thinking about how they relate to Greek philosophy. This goes on for many, many centuries. And after that, um, the inheritors of that tradition, um, the Europeans, set out um, to conquer the world. They conquered North America, South America, and Africa, and brought that tradition with them. Um, so, in a lot of ways, it's, it's politics that has helped it um, spread a swing the way it has. Okay. Well, tonight um, we had an, I had another show. I had the uh, Creole Atheist show with our friend Luberson, uh, and that's our show that we try to speak more Creole, but uh, the title of tonight's show, it's, it was Women uh, and Religion, and mm -hmm. I'm still in the middle of reading your great book, and 
I wanted to know about some of the things that you mentioned that gave you a little bit of issues as you were going through your journey concerning what was said about women in, in, in the Bible. Well, one of my earliest experiences as a Christian was was listening to a, a radio program in which the preacher talked about uh, the part in Timothy where it says, I do not permit women to teach or to have authority over a man. Um, she is to be silent. And as a new Christian as an adult, and I had never read that part of the Bible, and when he said it, I just, I guess I didn't think he was lying. I don't know what I thought, but I was in complete shock. And I remember just rushing to my house um, to pick up a Bible to make sh- to see that it was really if it was really there. And there it was. Um, and I remember actually being so upset about this that I I started crying. I was like I felt like. I don't know. It must be what it feels like if you marry into a family and then you realize you've married into the mafia or something. But it was just a really disappointing experience. And I, at first I was just ready to quit. And I often think about how different my life would have been um, if I had just accepted the text for what it said that day and just walked away. But instead, I decided to persevere, um, to ask questions, to read about it, to talk about it. And I can say that eight years later, I found myself in the same place, where I remember once literally creating um, a, a week of prayer in my apartment where I didn't leave, didn't really communicate with anyone. I stayed home to pray about this because I still didn't have, I couldn't rid myself of the cognitive dissonance and the psychological turmoil that having this text in a book that I thought was written by God or I believe was written by God said. And in the end, I was no more satisfied. Um, I just came to the point where I realized that I was never going to be satisfied. There was never going to be a time when I am okay with what the Bible says um, about women. And that it was futile for me to to continue to try to make it work um, when the most natural explanation is that the people who wrote this book um, lived in a time and a place where they really thought the women were inferior and they wrote about women in a way that reflected those views. And we don't, the tragic part is that we now continue to think that we need to be bound by these restrictions um, because we don't. We've, we can move on and we should move on. I agree. I totally agree. Our guest tonight is Carolyn, and this is the Haitian Freethinkers radio show. My name is Reggie. The guest call-in number is 646-652-4442. Once again, it's 646-652-4442. 
we understand that it's a little bit late in the evening, and Carolyn has been kind enough to give us uh, her time, and we do appreciate it. But if you guys um, are unable to listen to this live, you can catch the show on iTunes and listen to this. And Carolyn, it has a book coming out, um, Still Small Voices. How did that title come about? The title came about because um, there were lots of ex- so still small voices is the part um, in the Bible where Elijah is looking to hear from God and God is not in any of the loud places that one expects to hear from God. God is not in the wind, but God speaks through the still small voice. And so as Christians, you're always listening for that. You're always listening for that quiet interior voice um, to understand the will of God and to behave according to the will of God. And so a lot of parts of the story is me talking about what it's like to try to listen to a voice that is so small that it really is um, absolutely inaudible. And um, there are what I think are funny moments of both myself and um, people that I knew um, in the Christian community who are trying to discern what is God saying, what is God doing, how do I, you know, do God's will, live as a Christian, um, and and fumbling at it because um, listening to the still small voice is not effective. And there's also another small voice within you, which is um, the voice that's telling you that none of this is working, the voice that's telling you that, this doesn't add up. The voice that's telling you that you can't fit all the animals on the planet in a big giant boat. Um, and I call that the still small voice of reason. And so a lot of the book is this struggle that not only I, but I think a lot of Christians have between the still small voice of reason telling them that something about this doesn't add up and the voice that they see they're listening to, which is the Holy Spirit, um, and struggle to balance out those two things. Wow, I, I think I mean I've, I'm enjoying the book, and uh, I can't wait till I'm I'm through with it, only to pepper you with more questions. But uh, as of now, we uh, we have ran through our quick thirty minutes for this evening, and I want to thank you again for taking the time to appear on the Haitian Freethinkers radio show. Uh, would you be available for part two, maybe when I finish reading the book? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Reggie. Uh, great. So uh, I'll let you know when that that comes about. And uh, I've learned a lot just from the 30 minutes, and I want you to know that I really do appreciate uh, your inputs and your insights because you bring something that uh, – uh, a, a lot of people just don't have that angle, that personal touch, and your ability to relate it is just phenomenal, and I really do enjoy it. Uh, so we'll continue to uh, do our thing on Haitian Freethinkers. Uh, um, I want everybody who will be listening to the show know that uh, we are real people. We are um, friendly, kind. I try to get the best uh, people as possible and uh, for all for everybody else who are out there who have questions, please feel free to email us at HaitianFreeThinkers at gmail.com 
or look us up on Facebook, um, YouTube, and all that. We also have a um, a Google Voice number, which is 678-820-9474. Uh, feel free to give us a call, leave a voice message, um, and I'll try to uh, answer any questions that you, you may uh, have. So with that, I'm going to bid you a very great night, and uh, we'll stay in touch and uh, continue talking about your excellent book, Still Small Voices. Thank you very much, Reggie. Have a good night. Have a good night.